<笑>鬼岛之音。Ghost Island Media. The world's on fire. Everyone's freaking out, and they should be. But let's take a deep breath and talk about it first. Just because everything's burning down doesn't mean we need to panic. For this episode, let's have a look quickly at how climate change is getting really in our face, our sweaty faces, fires, heat waves. Listeners, are you ready? This is Waste Not, Why Not, a climate podcast from Ghost Island Media, and this is Nature Nate. I'm an environmental consultant working on energy, ocean, and waste. Welcome to a Nate Take. This summer, the UK, Wales, and Scotland all reached their highest temperatures ever in recorded history. In the UK, it got so hot that a train track caught on fire, and an airport runway actually melted. In France, they're calling it a heat apocalypse. An elected official in the southwest region of the country described the heat as a monster like an octopus. It grows in the front, the back, and on both sides because, quote, the temperatures, because of the wind, because of the lack of water in the air, it's a monster and it's very difficult to fight against. Now, octopuses. Octopi, octopods are not monsters, but they can change their shape and grow and expand in a frightening way. So we'll forgive this French official for maybe not having the most ocean-friendly language in this time of heat crisis. Across Europe, temperatures in Portugal reached 47 degrees Celsius this month. Spain reached 43 degrees Celsius. In Italy, Belgium, and Germany are also projected to pass 40 degrees Celsius. And this is just air temperature. This isn't the temperature of surfaces, things like streets, hot metal. The actual feeling of this temperature could be much higher on the ground. But you know what? While Europe is trying to deal with 40 to 47 degree weather, let's look at India. Temperatures in India reached 49.2 degrees Celsius. Not this month, not last month, but way back in mid-May. It can get worse. It can get hotter. In 2016, parts of India reached 51 degrees Celsius. I'm willing to bet you probably didn't hear much about the heat waves in India and Pakistan earlier this year. Yeah, many missed that note, or it was only a brief headline. This happens quite a lot. We tend to ignore the places in the world who've been suffering from the climate crisis the longest, and we also tend to ignore parts of the world that we may not consider rich. You know, let's just call it what it is. But now the rest of the world is finally paying attention because Europe is really hot and the heat waves are dominating the headlines. It's a good opportunity for us to talk about some of the most overlooked communities that have been suffering from climate change and paying attention to these places. We call this climate justice. We also want to do more than just pay attention, but the least we can do is be aware. So pay attention, folks, to everyone, not just Europe. Pay attention to the billions that live without access to. Robust infrastructure to help them manage heat waves, and with rising temperatures, the world is also literally on fire. Deadly fires are spreading across Europe, Greece, Portugal, Spain, and Belgium. As someone from California, I can relate. In France, fires have engulfed more than 19,300 hectares. For Americans, I'll do the conversion for you. That's around 36,000 football fields. Yeah, that's that's a lot of flames. In Spain, carbon emissions from wildfires between June and July are the highest reported since 
Now, what's happening here is that as flames spread, they burn trees, plants, grasslands, and emit carbon back into the atmosphere. We call this a positive feedback loop because it is causing itself to happen. As more greenhouse gases enter the atmosphere, there will be more fires, plants will be drier, there'll be more fires, and more carbon goes in the atmosphere. Crops are also dying from droughts all across Europe, and in Greece, residents have evacuated as fires destroyed their homes. In the UK, trains and flights have been canceled. Residents and animals are evacuated from areas that have previously not experienced fires. At a hospital in London, the heat is also causing IT issues, causing delays in hospital processing to what's already a dire situation. Folks are losing power, and water companies have to increase water pressure to accommodate for rising demand. And all of this is exacerbating an already tense energy crisis. Essentially, what's happening is that infrastructure in the UK and Europe is falling apart because it wasn't built for this new climate. In the climate policy sphere, we refer to this as adaptation. Adaptation is where countries, companies, institutions adapt to new levels of warming from our warming planet. Now, it was assumed that you could just adapt if you were rich, but clearly we're starting to see that's not always the case. It was said that Southeast Asian countries might be more at risk of climate change, but now we might need to reevaluate these models after seeing what's happening in Europe this summer. Was our assumption that just being a wealthy country with a limited coastal footprint would be enough to protect you from climate change? Maybe our ideas and models about adapting to climate change aren't going to translate into reality. The lesson that we're learning, that we should have already learned, is that climate change affects all nations, and it affects them differently. Whether you're a developing, low-income country, or you're part of the G8, no government, wealthy or not, is immune from the effects of climate change. But the way those effects manifest are going to depend on where you are in the world and how prepared you are to deal with it. Your GDP, your infrastructure, they may not be indicators of how quickly or how well you can adapt. This summer, though, it has been an indicator on the acceleration of issues that are present but usually swept under the rug. For a long time, People in the climate community, activists, concerned citizens, have been wondering when climate change would really reach global headlines. And this summer, it feels like this is going to be the first of many where it's unavoidable. We have to talk about climate change because it is literally transforming our lives already. We need to ask important questions as well. How long will these events last? Where will they be? And what do these countries need to do or need to survive them? But how do we know what to do as people? Good question, Other Nate. An easy thing to do is to start reading the right news and information. And when I say right, I mean, I think it's right. How do you do that, Other Nate? What do you read? What do you mean right? Well, I'll tell you, Other Nate, who's alone in this room with me. I like information and analysis from writers or academics who have industry experience. It doesn't mean you need to read peer-reviewed articles, but these people have studied environmental issues from an empirical and historical perspective. They're looking at the climate crisis from all angles and factors. They're professionals in this space who not only know the information, but know how to communicate it in clear and effective ways. 
So really easily, the top three resources I recommend are Bloomberg Green, Volts, which is a substack by David Roberts, and Carbon Brief. Bloomberg Green, that's the climate news and data portal from Bloomberg. They do really, really excellent insight and analysis. They're critical but fair, and I think that they paint a very realistic but sort of financially slanted view of climate change, which is something that's going to be really relevant if you need to make this case to businesses, individuals, people who care about financial markets. Volts is a substack or a type of newsletter written by David Roberts, who I've been following for quite a long time, like more than 10 years. He's been an environmental reporter in the U.S. since at least 2004. I've heard him speak in person. He's the type of journalist that's just dedicated his entire career, really, to environmental reporting, and it shows. So he's a really good aggregator of knowledge, and he's also a nice guy. Carbon Brief is a U.K. website on climate science and policy. Its chief editor is a former advisor on climate change at WWF UK. Its deputy editor has a PhD in biochemistry. They're all really into it at Carbon Brief. There's PhDs, there's energy researchers. They work with researchers in China for their China work. They have collaborators around the world. They tend to be UK-centric for obvious reasons, but they really do give kind of a broad understanding. Highly recommend it. If you want to be a bit more broad, I really recommend National Geographic. You can look up work by Enrique Sala, Nat Geo's Explorer in Residence. We've had him on the show before. National Geographic is just a great resource to also help you remember that the reason we're doing all this climate work is ultimately because we want to protect the natural world and the people who live in it. In terms of other podcasts, I listen to Catalyst by Shale Khan. I think it's excellent. Theconversation.com has good commentaries and debates. Look up the environment section. I think many of their opinions are quite informed and interesting. Yale Environment 360, published out of Yale University, is another very accessible source. And speaking of universities, you should also get to know, especially if you're in the U.S., Professor Jesse Jenkins at Princeton. Jenkins leads the Zero Lab there, the Zero Carbon Energy Systems Research and Optimization Laboratory. Jesse's team does a lot of great research on modeling what net zero would look like in terms of U.S. energy systems, and he's very well connected in the environmental space. And again, another great resource to look into and use as a starting off point for finding other resources. So I'm almost done. Just a few more to throw your way. For Taiwan-related resources, Professor Chow at the Risk Society and Policy Research Center is great. Risk Society and Policy Research Center do a lot of excellent work around climate change and net zero in Taiwan. They also tend to publish bilingually, so if your Mandarin isn't so great, you can access it there. Okay, so for all this and more, we've actually included a ton of resources in the Waste Not Why Not resource library. Check it out at wastenotwhynot.com slash hashtag library. Also, you can check the link in the show notes. This resource library is something that we did for our season sponsored by AIT, And it has video games, movies, documentaries, comics, books, every type of media related to the environment, handpicked by myself and the Waste Not Why Not team. It's a really great primer. If you just read everything there, you'd probably be smarter than me, actually. The climate crisis is going to get a lot scarier. This summer is a preview of what's coming and what we'll continue to experience And the frightening thing for many people is that the climate crisis doesn't mean that every summer will necessarily be hotter than this. There might be a summer where it feels colder. There might be a summer where it feels hotter. It's going to be unpredictable. And we don't fully understand how all of these different systems link together. The world is a complex place and we're 
essentially playing a very dangerous experiment with climate change. People are feeling anxious. I get people reaching out constantly about climate anxiety. I've had people ask me, Nate, with climate change, is the world going to catch on fire? I mean, yes, to an extent that's true, but it's not going to become so hot that it burns away. I think we have to be realistic with the challenges we're facing. I think we have to be clear-eyed about the solutions. And I think that we can all benefit a lot more from diving into the literature. So when you feel that pang of climate anxiety, go to a book, go to your friends, go to a community, seek knowledge, seek work. Climate anxiety is something that's not going to go away. Trust me. But doing work can contextualize it and turn it into something useful. All right, that's our show. Just a quick Nate take. I'm also off to the US and Europe next week. So if you're there, let me know about any cool climate things and uh, I'd be happy to cover them if I can for the show. All right, thanks everyone. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. This is Nature Nate. And this is a Nate take of the Waste Not Why Not series produced by Ghost Island Media in Taipei, Taiwan. Jared Williams helped with research and audio editing. Emily Waiwu is our producer. 